Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and we continue our position reviews and previews today as we talk about the offensive line. It's Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, and I. We talk about the future of the tackle position, the future of J.C. Treader, and we talk about the future of the offensive line as a whole. Now we kick it off first by talking about some of the quarterback dominoes that might be getting set up to fall with Big Ben's official retirement and the Denver Broncos hiring Nathaniel Hackett away from the Green Bay Packers. We also get an Equacia Adolfo Mensa taking the job in Minnesota as general manager. So that's all coming up on today's Orange and Brown Talk podcast. If you're not a Football Insider subscriber, get subscribed. Go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get a newsletter delivered directly to your inbox every single day. Get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns and to become one of our text subscribers. All right, here we go. It's our Friday Orange and Brown Talk. And here we go on our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are going to look back at the offensive line and look ahead to what uh, what the future holds for this Browns offensive line. Uh, we're going to get to that, but real quick off the top, Mary Kay and Scott, I wanted to talk about a couple news items um, that happened over the last few days. And I just want to start with this one. Uh, you know, the quarterback dominoes are going to start to fall even before the new league year starts. Some of these dominoes are going to start to fall. We're going to get some answers here in the next probably six weeks or so. Uh, maybe even sooner than that. And uh, a couple things that happened. First of all, Big Ben officially announces his retirement. No surprise there, but it is now official. And then an interesting move in the Broncos hiring Nathaniel Hackett, who was Aaron Rodgers' offensive coordinator at Green Bay. Denver has always been a team that comes up when we talk about Aaron Rodgers and where he might go if he leaves the Packers. So just real quickly, look, the Steelers are going to need a, are going to need a quarterback. Denver's going to need a quarterback. Mary Kay, you wrote on, we're recording this on Thursday. You wrote on Wednesday that the Browns need to throw their hat in the ring when it comes to some of these big name quarterbacks. And even, you know, when you get down to the Derek Carrs and guys like that. So I, I guess just today's news, how do you sort of frame that as to how it pertains to the Browns and, you know, some of these bigger quarterbacks? Well, I think, first of all, the natural connection that you make when Nathaniel Hackett goes to the Broncos is it just seems like, okay, there's Aaron Rodgers' new home, right? Nathaniel Hackett, uh, former offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, and uh, they are looking to fill a hole at quarterback, and it just seems like uh, that could be a good landing spot for, for Aaron Rodgers. Those two have a good relationship, and it just seems like uh, that's something that we all will be kind of talking about over the next few weeks. And I've even, uh, you know, seen it written and said that perhaps Devonte Adams would 
kind of go with him and they would be a little bit of a package deal. And then uh, all of a sudden you've got another team in the AFC that is going to be very difficult to deal with once you start to get into the postseason. So that's my first thought on that, uh, that all along, and I wrote this in my column too, that I feel like Aaron Rodgers and other quarterbacks of that ilk, I guess you would put only uh, Russell Wilson in that category right now, uh, but those guys wouldn't necessarily rule out uh, an inquiry from the Cleveland Browns because the Browns do have a little bit of a plug and play situation if you want to go to the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is also close to Alex Van Pelt, his former quarterbacks coach with the Green Bay Packers. But it is a place here in Cleveland where there's a good defense, a good running game, good offensive line. And I think uh, a lot of things that would be attractive to a bigger name free agent or I mean, a bigger name quarterback, not a free agent. These are all trade possibilities. Scott, I feel like Pittsburgh has always sort of been the team just in the background of all of this. Like we all we all kind of knew Big Ben was this was going to be his last year. And we know the Steelers aren't going to go. This is not a team that's going to bottom out and try and draft, you know, Bryce Young or, you know, whoever next year. They're, they're going to continue to try to win. And they've sort of been flying under the radar. I mean, when you kind of look at this landscape, how much of a factor do you think they'll be in kind of going after some of these big guys? I think the fact that they have been so successful for so long, and even when uh, Roethlisberger was out um, injured, you know, they still managed to stay in the hunt and, and win important games, just the whole Steelers aura and everything is going to help them. I think, you know, uh, can you imagine Aaron Rodgers landing in Pittsburgh? You know, <laughs> um, it seems like it would fit and it certainly wouldn't be a situation where they're uh, rebuilding. Um, I mean, does the Steelers ever rebuild? They just, you know, kind of just keep chugging. Uh, so yeah, I think we always knew that the Steelers were going to have a quarterback opening. And I don't know if people really talk about that destination enough because just their history and, and, and the way, you know, Mike Tomlin has kept them afloat in some bad situations. Uh, it's, it's going to be a big deal. And I think it's, it's an attractive place for, for quarterbacks. Yeah. Mary Kay, kind of the same question. I mean, Pittsburgh, they're out there, right. And we know, we know what they are and we know what that organization is. You can never count out the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's such a good organization. Uh, it's a place where uh, players love to play there. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. So I would have to think that, uh, you know, they're not in rebuild mode. I mean, they've got some really good receivers there. Uh, they now have their running back. Uh, they, they still have a lot of good pieces on their defense. And so I would have to think that uh, in a perfect world, they're going to be looking for a quarterback that they can win with right away and try to contend in the AFC North. And I'm hoping to dig into that a little bit more over the next few weeks and sort of try to get some kind of a handle on what their thinking is. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't uh, toss their hat in the ring for, uh, for some of these veteran quarterbacks that, that you can acquire in a trade this off season and just try to keep chugging along. Even this season, I think, uh, you know, many of us wondered if they would be able to contend in the AFC North and, and they ended up with a better record than the Browns, because that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's how they roll. And I anticipate that continuing. Okay. One other bit of news that, that we want to touch on that we haven't talked about yet is uh, the Browns are losing one of their top executives to the Minnesota Vikings that, that Cleveland Minnesota connection continues to strengthen, I guess. Quasi Adolfo Mensa headed to Minnesota to be their GM. 
Scott, obviously you never want to lose smart, you know, really good people from your organization, but the, I guess the way to really look at this is twofold. One, the Browns are getting two comp picks out of this. So there's that, but also, you know, this is the sign of a strong organization when, when teams want to come and poach, you know, not just, not just assistant coaches, but also some of your top executives. Yeah. Welcome to a new world. You know, if you're a Browns <laughs> fan, this is the way uh, it's supposed to work. You know, usually coaches and, and front office personnel leave Cleveland because everybody got fired, you know, and new guy comes in and, and, and brings their own people with them. And yeah, this is a good sign. I think um, the fact that uh, they have, they brought in somebody who's kind of adding to the minority landscape in the front office is a big deal too. And you know, that uh, Stefanski's talked about that, not just, uh, you know, not just uh, men, but obviously women uh, with his chief of staff, just that's a focus that he talked about in his very introductory press conference. And uh, Andrew Barry obviously kind of kept that going. So yeah, it's a big deal and it's good. And I'm, I think the fact that this has happened, yeah, they're losing somebody who obviously was valuable in the front office, but I think you have to have faith after this that they're going to find others to, to fill those roles too. Right, and, and Mary Kay, it's also worth noting that it wasn't just Quasi who was getting interviews. Glenn Cook was also a guy who, who was getting interviews as well uh, through this process. And he's probably next up now, you know, if the Browns continue to keep building this to be a, the next GM that gets plucked out of here. Yeah, I mean, good for the Browns, as Scott mentioned, that they are not just giving lip service to uh, hiring minorities and women and really well-deserving people and putting them in really high ranking spots in the organization and giving them a chance to flourish and shine and move on. I mean, look, because of what Andrew did in, in hiring Quasi, now there is a, a black, another black GM in the NFL. And that's so vitally, vitally important. Uh, now they have to keep going on the coaches because the NFL is way behind in that regard. Uh, but before you know it, if they keep it up like this, they're going to put a, female GM out there, the Browns probably will, because they are putting uh, women in some really great, great spots in the organization. So we have to commend them for that. Um, and then also, as, as you mentioned, Dan, it does strengthen that sort of little connection uh, between the Minnesota Vikings and the Cleveland Browns. And that's significant this offseason because depending on what Quasi and their new coach decide on the quarterback there, Kirk Cousins could become available in a trade and he could become attractive to the Cleveland Browns, or at least it would be a discussion worth having. Would he be an upgrade? Would he be somebody that, I mean, we know that he works well with Kevin Stefanski. Uh, would they be interested in Baker Mayfield up there in, in Minnesota? Because, you know, Quasi knows all about him and knows that he's going to be coming off uh, of a, a surgery and an injury. And he, he's got the inside track to what, Baker Mayfield is capable of. So I think it just brings up a whole nother interesting set of circumstances. It's true. It really does all come back to how, how are the Browns going to end up with a different quarterback? It's every, everything this offseason is just connected to this thread with Baker Mayfield. I, um, the other thing too, that I think is important is the Browns are showing that if you're a young executive or if you're a young scout looking to break in and, and kind of, you know, keep promoting yourself, keep getting those, those next steps, when you get guys hired away, it makes your organization more attractive to those, you know, young upcoming scouts, GMs, especially, you know, we know the Browns are very analytics driven and that's where kind of this younger group of, 
the next wave of GMs. That's how they're, that's going to be their slant as well. So they're going to really want to come to Cleveland and kind of learn under Andrew Barry and, and become that next guy eventually. Uh, that, that's how you build a pipeline. And so I, I think that bodes well for this team uh, moving forward. Okay, we're going to take an early break here. And then when we come back, we are going to talk about the offensive line. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, we will change the focus now entirely to the Browns as we continue our position reviews and we look at the offensive line. As I've done uh, in our first two, I have a few questions uh, that I want to throw out there. The offensive line is still pretty stable. You know, it came into this season as the strength of this team. There were injuries. Uh, some depth issues were exposed, again, because a guy like Chris Hubbard gets hurt. That, that obviously hurt you uh, when you needed to dig even deeper into your depth. I want to start with the tackle position because it, that's sort of where I think we have to start with any discussion on the line because they are, that's where the questions are right now. And we will, we will get to the big one in the middle of the line here at some point too. But right now, the tackle position, I want to ask each of you, how confident are you right now in the Browns tackle position for 2022? Obviously, Jed Wills going into year three and Mary Kay, we've got uh, Jack Conklin trying to come back from a pretty serious injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what, right now, I, um, my confidence level in, in the tackle position is, is not anywhere near as high as it was heading into 2021, uh, because I really thought that Jed Wills was going to take that step up in 2021, maybe possibly even up into uh, a Pro Bowl caliber type of tackle or a pre-Pro Bowl type where he would seem to be on that sort of trajectory. That's certainly what you want when you draft somebody number 10 overall. That's what you're hoping for. So I expected big things from him, bigger things from him in his second season once he had acclimated to the left side of the line opposite from where he played at Alabama. Uh, So there was that. And then you can always count on Jack Conklin to be playing at a Pro Bowl level or an all pro level. And uh, so I felt, you know, very strong. I think everybody did heading into 2021. Then of course, Jack Conklin uh, spends most of the season injured knee dislocated elbow, and then later torn patella uh, for which he underwent surgery, six to 12 month injury. And now that side of the line is uncertain heading into the season. Now I, we haven't heard uh, the medical reports yet. We don't know where they think he is, uh, in terms of being healthy for the start of the season, but there's a chance he, he could be there and there's a chance he might not be ready until October, November, in the worst case scenario, maybe even December. So I think they have to be looking at a replacement right tackle for Jack Conklin. Uh, maybe that guy is Jed Wills. Maybe they move Jed over and see what they can do. Um, but, you know, Jed finished 56, according to Pro Football Focus uh, in the NFL. That's nowhere near good enough. And so I think they have issues on both sides and they need to address them in a big way. Yeah, I guess I would be more concerned with, with Conklin and when and how he comes back. Um, at the very least, I think they need to make sure they are stable at swing tackle. Like they have somebody that they can count on and they know that if this guy has to start eight games, they can live with that. Um, maybe Hubbard was that guy. Uh, but he too, obviously is, you know, coming off an injury as well. So, uh, more, and as far as Wills goes, yeah, he took a step back. I'm, I guess I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on the, on the ankle and, and just kind of not getting into the swing of things. Um, I guess I'm, I'm more concerned about, about Conklin's situation than, than Wills. 
Yeah, the the Wills thing was interesting because he, he suffered that ankle injury in week one and just could not finish games. He kept trying to go out there. Um, it was a few. I don't remember exactly how many games it was in a row, but he kept leaving games. Three um, of them. Yeah, it really felt like it, it sort of it sort of felt similar and not completely similar to the Baker situation, but it felt like the Browns were trying to push Jed a little bit. And, and, you know, the way they talked about him playing through the injury and fighting through the injury, it really felt like they were trying to sort of, hey, you got to do this, you got to play through it. But at the same time, it was pretty clear that that was going to be a struggle for him. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, they did want him to adopt a little bit more of that warrior mentality that exists on that offensive line with, with everybody else out there. I mean, you can see what, uh, what Wyatt Teller has, has done. You can see what Joel Batonio, JC Treader have, have done in terms of playing injured or not being able to practice during the week and then going out there on Sunday. And I think that they were trying to instill that, Hey, you've got to be out there. You've got to answer the bell, no matter what. And he really struggled with that because he was in uh, a horrible amount of pain and, and he, it affected his performance so much that, uh, you know, that I think that it may, it may have started to hurt his confidence a little bit. And then at the end of the season, you heard Wyatt Teller uh, talking about offering to help Jed and having him come here and work out with him a little bit and sort of showing him the ropes in terms of, you know, what it takes to get to the level that now Wyatt and Joel are, which is a, a pro bowl level. So, um, so it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Now he's got a great coach in Bill Callahan, one of the best in the NFL on the offensive line. He's got a mentor in Joe Thomas willing to help him in any way, shape or form. And then guys on the existing Browns offensive line ready to take him under their wing and help get him up to speed. So uh, all the conditions are there, but I agree with you. I think there was sort of this like, okay, like Chris Hubbard is in here and you have no choice. You've got to go out there and play. Okay. So I feel like this should be a regular thing. Cause when we did our running backs, I asked like a crazy, is there, is there a scenario where you would, where you would trade Kareem Hunt question? So now I've, I've got one for the offensive line. This is not a trade question, though. And we, I guess we've sort of talked about this a little bit. But with this tackle situation a little iffy, and Mary Kay, you threw out there, maybe moving Jed, Jed Wills back to the right side if necessary. Is there a scenario where the Browns should consider Joel Batonio as their left tackle next season? He had the highest PFF grade of all offensive linemen over the two games where he played left tackle. Um, that I, I don't know if that's I guess he'd be best to answer that because I don't know <laughs> if that's something he, he'd want to do full time it's yeah that's I mean I guess it's it's a positive that they have that option that they're even that they could even discuss something like that because of the fact that Will's played on the right in college and because of the fact that Batonio showed he can at least for a couple games do really well at tackle um Man, I think you really hope Conklin comes back. I think that's the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. I mean, Mary Kay, they obviously they went down this road a few years ago after Joe Thomas retired to the extent that, you know, I talked to Joel right before the season started and he actually said like, like he was planning to be the week one starting left tackle until that changed at the last minute. Like he was talking about being the guy to replace Joe Thomas, at least a little, he seemed a little reluctant back then. It was hard to get a read on it this year when they asked him to do it. It seemed a little more positive, 
But I, I guess that's a big piece of this. Joel has sort of reached the point where it's like, if he doesn't want to move to left tackle, I mean, that's kind of the first question the Browns need to answer. Absolutely, yes. He, he's earned the right to, you know, to say whether or not he would really want to do something like that. And uh, to move out there at this stage of his career uh, on a full-time basis, you know, I think that might be, uh, you know, a little bit challenging. He's athletic and good enough to do it. Uh, but, you know, he's so good at his job at left tackle. And actually, I think possibly on an almost Hall of Fame trajectory there, if he keeps it up at this level for enough more seasons. And I think the Browns feel that way about him, too. So in a perfect world, I think they would like to have Jed live up to his number 10 overall status over there at left tackle, have Jack, Jack Conklin come back healthy plug him back in at right tackle and go on their merry way. Uh, but in a pinch, uh, Joel can do it. I don't think anybody is really hoping happens in 2022. And it's, it's worth remembering that one of the reasons, one of the big reasons, one of the biggest reasons the Browns run game is so good is because Joel Petonio plays guard. They average six over six yards per carry when running behind guard, he pulls him and Teller both pull more than anybody else in the NFL. So they move him around and they find different ways to run behind him. And that wouldn't be as doable if he's out playing left tackle. Um, so that's something to consider. Yeah. Do you, do you weaken one area to mm -hmm. potentially strengthen another when you don't really know if over the course of 17 games, like, like we don't know if Joel Batonio is going to be that good over 17 games as he was over two. you'd think he'd be able to hold his own, but um, that, that's part of the equation as well. Okay. I guess the really big question here and the one that's sort of been hanging out in the background all season is right in the middle of that line. And that's JC Treader. He's in the final year of his contract. He signed an extension back in 2019. Uh, and the Browns, if they moved on from Treader, could save $8.2 million. Uh, he's got a cap number of $9.8 million, which isn't insane. And, and JC is a really good center. He's reliable. He plays every snap. He has not missed a snap due to injury since he signed here. And this was a guy that came to Cleveland. That was the big question. Like, could he stay healthy? And, and he certainly has. Doesn't practice much anymore. Uh, you know, barely practice during the season. I guess, you know, again, it's fun to sit and play the game and, and do the math of cap numbers and opening up cap space. But Mary Kay, is it, is it wise? Is it realistic that the Browns could move on from J.C. Treader? I would not do that. I wouldn't do it. I think they have a good thing going on their offensive line and they need to at least keep it going for next season to the extent that they can in part, because you don't know what's going to be happening yet at those tackle positions for sure. Uh, so I would keep with your stability in the middle of that line. Uh, I, I would stick with it. I don't think that that's an enormous number. Uh, I don't know that Nick Harris is ready to step in there. I mean, maybe they could draft someone, uh, there, there are some centers uh, in the first round that could possibly warrant that number 13 overall pick, but I don't know if you'd want to do that uh, in a year in which you really need to either figure out what you're doing at quarterback or you need a receiver. Um, so I would ride it out with J.C. Treader for the rest of this season for, for 2022 at that price. I think it's worth it. I don't think you realize how important a really good center is until you don't have one. And again, he's been able to, without practicing, 
stay healthy, stay out there. He does have that sort of Iron Man mentality, and I, I wouldn't mess with that. Yeah, and on the list of players that they could save money by by releasing, I think Treader should be at the bottom of that list. He's had two of his best seasons the last two years, and he's actually he's fifth on the list of linemen who pull the most on running plays. So he's also out there in front with Petonio or Teller um, making this run game go. So, yeah, I agree with Mary Kay. You, you try to keep him as long as you can. Yeah, I, th- I think that was one of the things when, when they really – when they brought in Kevin Stefanski and we knew they were going to this scheme – you, you, just, you already knew before they even started, like JC is a great fit in this scheme and Joel was a great fit in this scheme. You just knew that. And it's, it's happened over the last two years. They've been really great fits. They found Wyatt Teller on the, on the one side as well. Um, and, and then they, they've worked to fix the tackle position, but other things have kind of gotten in the way of, of making that, making those potentially long-term fixes. But uh, having that core three in the middle with the system they run just feels really important, especially if you're trying to, to figure out Baker Mayfield, that's part of the equation too. You don't want to suddenly weaken the center position. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how good Nick Harris was against Green Bay or not. I'm not an expert at center position play. Um, it seemed like he held his own there. But again, I don't know if you want to hand that position to him full time. So the big question here with this line, as it gets more expensive, they have two of the highest paid guards in football. Uh, you know, Jack Conklin is very highly paid. Eventually, Jed Wills, you hope, gets to the point where you'd have to pay him some money as well. How long can this line, which has been considered the strength of this team when it's healthy, stick together? Well, intact with with this five, I think you're going to have to start, uh, you know, funneling some new talent in there over the next two or three years. Uh, But you just don't want to do it all at once. I mean, you, you want to add you know, a piece here and a piece the next year and the piece the next year and keep it going strong. I mean, I don't think you necessarily, if you, if you can avoid it, you don't want to have a massive overhaul where you're trying to replace three guys in one season. So I think the guards are fine for a while. I think JC is a little bit more of a, you know, maybe not as long-term of an option. And then Jack Conklin, I think I am concerned about the fact that he is starting to to crop up with a number of injuries. And therefore, uh, I mean, it's really hard to find a really good right tackle or left tackle, Uh, but he's starting to get injured enough that I think that's an area you're going to have to uh, start thinking about replacing him, unfortunately, sooner than later. Um, But I would say you can keep it going strong for the next three or four years by adding one piece a year. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they've dropped a center in the fifth round. You dropped a, a, a Hudson tackle in the fourth round this past year. I mean, they're, they're clearly hoping to develop some of these guys to kind of step in at some point. Um, but, yeah, you try to keep this group together as long as you can. I mean, the Steelers had a lot of success uh, keeping line together uh, in front of Roethlisberger. So it's, that's the goal. And um, really, it's just, at this point, all the issues are health, you know, whether these guys can come back healthy and play to the level that they've played before. Right. And the, and the offensive line too, is I think we all kind of know it's, it's more, it, obviously you have to have good linemen, but it's, it's the sum. It's not necessarily, you don't have to have pro bowl guys at every position. And especially when you have a coach like Bill Callahan, who continues to be one of Kevin Stefanski's most important hires uh, that that's going to help you develop some of these young guys. Okay. Did I miss anything? Was there any offensive line topic? that we, you guys really wanted to get to that I didn't bring up today. 
<laughs> I think, you know, James Hudson is somebody to, you know, I think you have to look at him and wonder if he's going to be able to take that step up next season, that 25% jump that you like to see from rookie to second year. And if he can, that solves your swing tackle problem at least. Uh, so he's somebody to keep an eye on over the next few months. Yeah. I, and, you know, again, he, he took a lot of heat for that performance against Pittsburgh, but I think as we've seen, it wasn't all on him, right? There were some plays where the ball got held a little bit or didn't come out when it was supposed to. And he did have some good reps going against a guy like TJ Watt. So I, I don't think we can rest too, too much on, on that performance. It, it seemed like he got better, which I know is weird to say after our lasting memory is sort of what happened in Pittsburgh. It seemed like he got better from when he first took the field. I think it was in LA. It was the first time we really got a chance to see him. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the things the Browns fans could take comfort in, I guess, is the fact that they, the Browns were really good as a run team this past season, uh, even uh, better than 2020 on an average basis, on an efficiency basis. And a lot of that had to do with the offensive line, especially like Petonio, who took a huge jump as a run blocker and, and Treader and, and Teller. And despite all those injuries, the guys they brought in, like Hans and Dunn, like they were substantially better as run blockers. So that part of the game seems to be fine. You get better quarterback play. It's going to make your pass protection look better. So even guys who seem to maybe struggle at times and pass protection, like a Hudson, maybe, um, you know, your, your quarterback's healthy, your quarterback's playing at a higher level that can make that side of things look a little better. So again, everything goes back to the quarterback. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but the, the offensive line is in, is, is in a good place, even though there are, uh, there are a couple of questions. Yeah. You know what, Scott, that's a great point because, uh, you know, Baker is amongst the, uh, you know, slowest in getting the ball out of his hands, which of course, some of that comes when you are running the keepers and the bootlegs and things like that. But if he does release the ball a little bit quicker uh, and get that process processing speed up, Jed Wills is going to look a lot better than he did. Okay, there we go. A look at the offensive line as we continue our position previews. We'll be back next week doing more position previews. And we're also going to have some reports for Mobile. As Mary Kay, you are going to head to the Senior Bowl. So we're going to get the latest uh, of what's going on down there with draft prospects, whatever else you can find uh, as, as you're wandering around the streets of Mobile, Alabama uh, <laughs> next week. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever you listen, just search Orange and Brown Talk. And uh, make sure you're subscribed there as we head into really draft season kicks off, I guess, officially next week. So it should be uh, it should be interesting. So uh, I will talk to you all later.